listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. We've been in a series that we've called, Who's Your One? Who's your one? We're at a third week in Who's Your One. And if you're just joining us or if you haven't been up to speed or you're trying to get up to speed with what we're doing, Who's Your One is, well, it's a, it's a campaign, if you will. It's a, it's a gimmick. It really is. It's a gimmick to try to encourage followers of Jesus to step into the calling that each and every one of us have, and that is in respect to sharing the gospel with those who have not yet responded to the gospel. And what we've encouraged everyone from this uh, in, in this series is to begin praying about, Lord, who is it in my circle? It may be someone you know. It could be a relative. It could be uh, uh, someone that you work with. It could be someone uh, in a foursome that you play with. I don't know who that might be, but it may be someone that you are acquainted with or you know very well that you have a pretty good idea is not a follower of Jesus. It also could be someone that you don't know very well. Maybe it's the same uh, checkout person at Publix or Walmart that you always try to get in their line. If you're, if, if they're there, you're in their line. You've grown to kind of know one another by face. They see you again. You are, they're being asking about your kids and things of that nature when they're not with you. So you don't really know them, but you see them. And I don't know, something tells you they may not know Jesus as their Savior. And, and what we're encouraging everyone to do is as you pray about it and think about it, and God lays that one on your heart that you simply take part in this little campaign, this little gimmick, if you will, and you grab one of these cards that cards that's printed up and says, who's your one? And what it does is it gives you an opportunity to write the name on the little portion of the card and write their name on the long portion. We're asking you just to simply take the little portion with the name and pull it off and drop it in either of the two black boxes on the wall over there. Those are our prayer card boxes. And some of you didn't even know we had prayer cards. Absolutely. You have prayer requests. You want folks to be praying about it? Write that request down, put it on the card. But also put this little small portion with the name of your one. And what you're telling us is we've got another one to pray about. And if you would like to be on an email list that gets the list of the whole grouping of names, you write your email on this as well, and I'll send you the whole list. You can be praying for everyone. So we're asking every follower of Jesus, asking everyone who knows Jesus as their Savior, to simply step into what Christ has called us all to do in a very specific way and ask the question, Lord... Who's my one? Who's the one that is in my circle that I'm not sure knows Jesus as Savior and I'm going to make them my focus for as long as it takes till I have the opportunity to find out. We're asking you to take part in that. So come grab it. Once you've done that, then we've got these little things printed up for every family, one for every family. It's a 30-day prayer journal, if you will. And what you'll do is through this prayer journal, you will write that same name in the little blanks on these. And at some point during the day, as you follow along, you will read the scripture that is the focus for today. And then you will go through the exercise of, of praying for your one. My one, it's, his name is Felix. And so what I would do is I would write down Felix. And this happens to be day four. Day four scripture is Acts 16, 14. It says a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth from the city of Thyatira was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And, and so that puts in my mind, okay, God was working in the heart of one as Paul was preaching. And what I would then do is take the time to go, God... Lydia's story gives me hope for the salvation of Felix or whoever your one is. Give me the boldness of Paul. Make me courageous to share the gospel message with Felix 
or whoever your one is, in a way that is clear and compelling. Help me to reject the fear that causes me to shy away from speaking the truth in love. Do for Felix what you did for Lydia. Open his heart to believe the gospel. Align the circumstances of life to soften his heart to the truth and cause him to listen intentionally and respond humbly to Jesus' offer of salvation. We take time to pray. And here's the thing. If you've started this with us and you said, Pastor Kevin, I started and I prayed like day one and day two and then things got crazy at home and I forgot day three and four and five and that's on day six and I feel like I'm another failure so I'm just giving up. No, no, just pick it up. It's day three for you as you continue to pray for your want. So once God has laid the one on your heart who needs to hear the gospel, drop his name in the box after you filled it out on his card. And then once you've grabbed this, then start praying. Now, it's probably not a magical formula. God may wait the 30 days to give you that opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe he'll open the door in 10. Maybe it will take 90 days for you to have that opportunity. But you know what you can do? You can just keep praying. You can keep that one in focus. And you can wait and trust and know that what you're asking is what God's will is more than anything else. And that is for people to come to faith in Christ. And for us to be active in our responsibility of getting them the gospel message. So that's kind of where we're at right now. So if you're here today, and you've not participated yet, I want to ask you again, who's your one? Who's God laid on your heart? Once you've laid it on heart, let us know who your one is so we can pray, grab some of this material, and begin to focus on that one. Because the time will come, and I believe God's going to open the door for you to share the gospel. And so today what we want to do is not really a sermon. It's really not a sermon as much as it is. I just want to talk to you today about our responsibility when it comes to sharing the gospel. The gospel is the most important information anyone will ever hear in their life. And it's absolutely imperative that when we begin to share with our one or whoever the one is that we're sharing with at the time, it is imperative that what we share with them is in fact the gospel. So today, I want us to just take a few minutes and think about what the gospel is not because we're sharing a lot of stuff that may be good stuff, but it's not the gospel. And some stuff we're sharing is just flat wrong. So I want us to talk about what the gospel is not. I want us to talk about what the gospel is. What's the content of the gospel? What what can we absolutely not leave out when we're sharing the gospel with people? What the gospel does and and, and the the, the hope that people will have when they begin to to think and and to move toward trusting Christ as their Savior. And then lastly, we want to talk about what the gospel doesn't do. Because we don't want to give people the false idea about their faith as we move and as they move forward. So what the gospel isn't, what it is, what it does, and what it doesn't do. So let's just start with what it is not. And when you come to sharing the gospel, and again, that's what this campaign is about. This is not about encouraging people who might be discouraged. Well, my one, you know, he's some, he's somebody, she's somebody that's just been really down. And you know what? They need encouraging and God will use you to be a blessing to them. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who is outside of the family, or at least you think they are outside of the family of faith And you're going to intentionally introduce them to Jesus. It is absolutely imperative that we don't present these and other things as the gospel because they are not the gospel. The first and the biggest thing that the gospel is not, the gospel is not belief in God. 
That is not the gospel. Believing in God is a great thing. It is a starting point, if you will, and beginning to wrestle with who God is. But believing in God is not the gospel. I want to draw your attention to James chapter number 2, verse number 19. James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. James is going, you believe God is one God? Good for you. He goes on and says, even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not the gospel to believe in God. I can't tell you how many teenagers have said to me and talking about musicians or actors or actresses and and we're talking about something that's going on and then but they'll go yeah but they're a christian pastor kevin they're a christian you go really how do you know that well they believe in god well they talked about god in their song that doesn't mean anything I mean, almost any person will talk about some form of deity. Even atheists will refer to God at times, even if they're just talking about what you think you believe. So this notion of sharing the gospel cannot, it cannot, it cannot stop with, well, I believe in God. Well, good, Felix, I'm sure glad you believe in God. My job is over and you're a Christian and I'll see you next time. No, that is not the gospel. Neither is when a person says, well, you know what, Kevin? I've, uh, I've always tried to be a person of faith. Well, you're a Christian then. No, you're not necessarily a Christian because the gospel is not about being a person of faith. I can tell you how many times that I have seen uh, on on one particular uh, daytime talk show, the hostess would have different people on her set talking and, and, and making reference to being a person of faith. Do you know how many millions of different types of faith there are in this world faith is not the gospel being a person of felix i, sh- I want to share the gospel well kevin you know i've always been a man of faith oh whew. well i'm so glad to hear you're a christian not necessarily a person of faith is not the gospel neither is someone saying well i've always tried to be a real religious person Well, good for you, but I have no idea what that means because being a religious person is not the gospel. Neither is being a church goer. Well, Pastor Kevin, I've always tried to go to church and my grandmother had me in church all my life and I've always tried to be there or or mom and dad had me there and I've always been a real religious, faithful, church-going kind of guy. Excellent, but that's not the gospel. I'm so glad when folks come to church and you bring your friends and I want you to bring your friends and it's always exciting when the place is, is, is packed in with folks but that doesn't make us Christians and that is not the gospel. So when I go and I say, Felix, I just want to share some things with you uh, that, that I just feel like are true and here's, here's what they are. Um, will you come to go to church with me? And he may look at me and go, Yes, I'll go to church with you. Awesome, my job is over. No, it's not. No, it's not because you might bring him on a Sunday morning where we're talking about something that might not be as impactful for him as you share in the gospel. Invite them to church, bring them here. They'll find folks that love them, but that ain't the gospel. And even if they say, I've always tried to be a good church goer as well as I can, that's not the gospel neither is baptism baptism is not the gospel how many have we talked to that that we've said listen i just want to talk to you a little bit about jesus oh i'm a christian i was baptized at such and such place in such and such year excellent that's i mean that's exciting i'm glad that you had that experience but you know what baptism is not the gospel Baptism is a ceremony at best. It's an obedience ceremony. It's a biblical ceremony, but baptism won't save you. It'll only get you wet. Baptism is not the gospel. Neither is a story about how God has worked things out in your life. 
Felix, I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Jesus. And he says, okay, Kevin, t- tell me what you want to tell me. And I say, well, you know, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I just wasn't really sure how things were going to work out. And I, I had been away from God and, you know, I was out living on my, on my own. But, but you know what? I prayed and I said, Lord, I need your help. And he just, he swooped in and he got me back in church and he got my family back together. And he just worked that thing out, got, this, got the new job or I got the thing and we didn't lose our house. And it was just awesome. I just want to tell you how good God is and how much you can count on on him to do for you what is best and that is a wonderful story and that is a praise to the Lord but that's not the gospel that's not the gospel God is awesome right we believe that right God is awesome God can do amazing things and he will but that ain't the gospel that's a great story that's that's a great testimony to what God has done for you but don't Present that to your one as the gospel. Neither is that experience or warm feeling that they got. Oh, I just, I had this, I was at camp and I had this feeling and I just knew that, that when that feeling came over and, and he's telling me, and I just knew when that feeling came over, I just knew everything was right between me and the Lord. Oh, okay. That, I'm glad to hear that you've experienced something that has drawn you close to God, but that ain't the gospel. Because uh, we can have warm, fuzzy feelings one minute and cold and just distant feelings the next, even with folks we dearly love. That ain't the gospel. It's a great thing to think about. Both may be true, that's not the gospel what is the gospel not anything that leaves out sin the death of jesus christ the resurrection of jesus christ faith in christ alone and and the redemption that comes by the the substitutionary sacrifice anything that leaves All of that out is not the gospel. It may be a great way to develop a relationship with your one and encourage them with the things that are, that are true and are are exciting and are relevant to you, but that's not the gospel. One of the things that is not the gospel, according to a gentleman by the name of Chuck Smith, Charles Smith did a study in 2005 and discovered this, that According to about 3,000 teenagers, most of them who claimed themselves to be Christians were actually followers of something that he defined as moralistic, therapeutic deism. This was a study that happened at the University of North Carolina, and then he wrote a book about his findings in a book called uh, Soul Searching, I think was the name of the book, Religion and the American Teenager, 2005, if you're interested in that work. And he compiled this data and discovered that many within what he would say think they're Christians have these beliefs. Now listen, these are the beliefs of those who would be considered moralistic, therapeutic deists. You ready to listen to these? Number one, a God exists who created and ordained the world and watches over human life on earth. That's what most of them believe. Number one, believe there's a God who exists that created the universe and ordered it and is watching over human life. Okay. The second belief is this. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and in or by most of the world's religions. So there is a God who exists and he watches over humankind and he wants us all to be good and nice and fair to one another. The third belief is that the central goal in life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. 
there's a God who made it all and he watches over and he wants us all to be nice to people. He wants us to be fair and to do right things. And ultimately, God wants us to be happy and fulfilled with ourselves. Belief number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. So there's a God who exists and he watches over, he made everything, he watches over all of us, he wants us to be good and nice and ultimately he wants us to be happy and fulfilled and and think good things about ourselves and really God's okay with not being too much involved in our life and and, and you can do and, and when you really need him then you can turn to him and he'll fix whatever problem that you have. And then the next belief, good people go to heaven when they die if they've been good enough and nice enough and fair enough and you know and if they've they've been good people and they've they've known about this God and they've just tried to be good and fair and nice and if they're good and if they're good what ways they're bad then they all go to heaven and you go that's not Christianity but according to their discovery many who would claim to be Christians in this country are calling themselves Christians but are following this moralistic I'm just trying to you know Pastor Kevin I'm just trying to live a good life yeah but 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 do you know where you're gonna go when you die well I'm hoping real hard that uh, that one of these days I'm hoping that God will see my life and he'll be gracious enough to let me in moralistic therapeutic well you know what I know I need God because sometimes my life gets away from me and I know there are times I need somebody to turn to and when I'm able to or I need to turn I'd like to know he's there and he's he's out there somewhere therapeutic deism well he doesn't really have to be a part of my life but I know he's there I believe in God yeah I'm a Christian no you're not because it's not the ultimate goal of God in your life for you to be happy and excited about yourself. It is not the good people who do more good than bad that go to heaven. It's not that he's distant and you can turn to him when you need him, but otherwise do your thing. That's not the way it works. That's not the gospel. And your one, when you go to talk to them, may go, oh, let me stop you right there, Candy. I'll just stop you right there. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian already. And you may very well be talking to someone who is steeped in moralistic, therapeutic deism. And you know how they got there? Over time, Christians being lazy and sloppy and inaccurate and incomplete with the gospel so that they can begin to think that they are Christians having had no impact with the truth that is the gospel. So that's what the gospel is not. And a host of other things. Keep that in mind as you're thinking about my one and I'm praying for my one and I'm asking God to open up the door for me to share the gospel with them. Don't Share a false gospel because none of that stuff is gospel. But here's what the gospel is. Last week, we saw in Romans chapter number one, verse number 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is. So here's what the gospel is. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's a pretty big deal. The message of the gospel is the power of God that brings about salvation to anyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he tells us the components of the gospel when he says this, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand. I'm going to remind you of the, of the God. What is the gospel? It's the power of God. What makes up the gospel? This is what you received. This is what, or this is what I preach. This is what you received. And this is what you're standing in. This is the gospel. 
in which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Let's say that together. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. Let's say that together. That he was buried. The the third, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Let's say that together. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared. Let's say that together. And that he appeared. And he goes on to say who who he appeared to. To Cephas, talking about Peter. Then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive if you want to go talk to them they'll verify that though some have fallen asleep some have died then he appeared to James his younger brother and then to all of the apostles and last of all as to one untimely born he appeared also to me what is the gospel that Christ died for our sins that he was buried and that he rose from the dead and was seen by his followers. The gospel is the message of Christ crucified in your place and in the place of your one and for your sin and for the sin of your one and that he rose again to to secure your justification and the justification of your one if by faith they will trust him as savior as their savior sacrifice substitute the gospel meaning it's a word that means good News. It is the divine truth about the love of God and the work of Jesus that when received brings sinners into right relationship with God. The gospel must be presented. Look, the gospel must be presented with care, completeness, and accuracy because with it, is contain the power of God that can bring a sinner to salvation if it is presented correctly. And the people that hear it have an opportunity to respond to truth. But when we begin to leave out or add to or forget complete components, then it is not the gospel. It might be true, but it's not the gospel. Here's what has to be presented. So when you're preparing to share the gospel with your one, and you can do this, and you're going, I'm overwhelmed, Pastor Kevin. I, you, you, you're making me scared now to share it because I don't want to mess it up. Just relax. Here are the simple components. First, we've got to make sure that we address sin and its consequences. Both its present consequences. What are the consequences of sin in my life? I'm discouraged. I have problems in my life. I may have consequences that are, that have long range ramifications. I know that, that the things and the choices that I'm making have turned out pretty rotten for me in my life. And I'm suffering through some of those. And we all know what that is. There are present consequences, but there are eternal consequences to sin separation from God in a place that the scriptures call the lake of fire that's hard to comprehend that doesn't seem fair that God would send a good person to a place of eternal torment I'm not arguing with you that it doesn't seem fair. But here's what the scriptures say. You don't understand fair because you don't know what good is because we are nowhere close to understanding the holiness of God. And since God's never made a mistake, never done wrong, then there will never be anything under his control that we can ever say, boy, God, you really missed it on that. All we can do is communicate truth. And we got to talk about sin. 
And we have to understand that the reason we need forgiving is because we are sinners. The next thing we need to make sure we present is God's love, mercy, and grace revealed in Jesus, God the Son, in his becoming human. We are sinners, we are in need, we are are feeling consequences, and we have the, the expectation of eternal consequences of sin, but God loves us. And God was willing in his grace, mercy, and love to allow God the Son to put on flesh so that he might infiltrate humanity that God created and loved. We've got to talk about Jesus' sinless life. The fact that Jesus was the perfect human being, that he fulfilled all of the holy requirements of God's law that we could never do. And in his holiness, we talk about his death on the cross. We talk about him taking as a substitutionary lamb our sin on himself and paid for our sin, yours and mine, on the cross and that he died our death for us as a sacrifice, as a substitute. And then we've got to talk about how that he rose from the dead in securing and guaranteeing resurrection, that it was a satisfactory substitute and that God raised him from the dead to demonstrate that it was enough. It was enough to pay for your sin. It was enough to pay for my sin. Think about the worst person you've ever met in your life and the death of Jesus Christ was sufficient to forgive and to cleanse the worst you can imagine. We talk about the death. We talk about the resurrection. We talk about the individual responsibility that every Christian has to respond in faith. Well, how do I get that forgiveness? What do I need to do? You can't do anything. All you can do is is receive trust. A lot of times we get hung up on that. What do I need to do, Pastor Kevin? Well, you just need to pray. Be real careful about that because what that does is that gives the one an opportunity to think that their prayer is what saves them. It is not. It is the grace of God. It is the sacrifice of Jesus. It is the resurrection from the dead. It is God who saves. All that prayer is is our mouth moving to say the things that our heart is submitting to. What do I need to do to be saved? You can't do anything to be saved, but here's what God asks. Here's how God asks you to respond with the heart believing and with the mouth confessing. I'm not doing anything, I'm just expressing what is true in my heart. We can't leave out that individual responsibility. You can bring somebody the gospel. Please don't miss this. Don't share the gospel with your one and give them all the information and then just turn around and go, let me know if I can help you with any of that. Don't do that. Put it before them. Go, you've heard about Jesus who loves you and died for you and God who raised him from the dead and salvation is there and it's ready and God will take you as you are and transform you and make you into something glorious and use you and give you promises for eternity. Don't you want to receive him? What would stop you from trusting Jesus today? Give them the opportunity to go, yes, I want them. Don't leave them in the lurch thinking that this is just open-ended and maybe there's time for them to think on it and ponder on it. There's not. The gospel is there. If understanding has been made, let me ask you, what would keep you from trusting Jesus today? They may look at you and say, I'm just not ready. You know what you can do with that? You can say, well, you know what? I'm right across the street. Or you can say, you know what? You know where I'm at? Just two cubicles down. Or, hey, I'll be at practice next week. I'm going to be praying for you. You know my number. Let me give you my number. Text me anytime, day or night. When they say I'm not ready or I'm just going to need to think about this, that puts you into the, okay, this is on them. I'm ready. They know. They know it's urgent. They know it's imminent. They know it's time now. But if they want to wait, I'm going to be ready. But don't leave them waiting 
not having the opportunity to know that, oh, I can do this now. I can trust Jesus now. You might already have. Do you believe that? Is that the truth in your heart? He said, there's a lot of ways that we can share the gospel. And, and I wrote a few down, and you're going to get some of these. But, but here's some of the ways. Because I've just given you things that you need to be aware of. And, and, but here's some ways you can do it. And when we think about sharing the gospel, you got to think about, is the person that I'm sharing with, do they have any biblical understanding whatsoever? Like, do they have any idea about who Jesus is or have they just heard his name in a, in a, 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 a just a, a, a lackluster way or, or in a curse, uh, cursing type way or just in passing? So you got to think, do they know anything about what I'm talking about? If they don't, you might want to consider sharing the gospel through what I'm calling the story of the Bible. There are four acts in the story of the Bible. Act number one is creation. It's where you talk about how God made, yes, the universe, but he made us. And he made us to have a relationship with him in in Genesis chapter number one and two. But then the second act, it happens almost immediately in this big thick thing we call the Bible. It happens almost immediately. It's act number two. It's called the fall. It's where the creation of God chooses to reject God and go their own way. And we call it the fall because these individuals fell into sin. And we see this in Genesis chapter number three. So act number two is is the fall. Then act number three is redemption. In fact, the majority of the books of the Bible are about the processes where God is preparing a, a people preparing a a place and a a circumstance where he could bring about the plan of redemption and that plan is in the person of Jesus who lived and, 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 and he died for us and he rose from the dead and God made redemption possible because of Jesus and you share with them things like Genesis 3 15 1 Corinthians 15 1 to 8 John 3 16 so you've got creation the fall and then redemption and then the last is that idea of of uh of restoration or glory see what God's doing is he's bringing his creation back and he's going to recreate it and it is going to be glorious it's not going to be broken like it is right now but that's the process and I want you to be a part of it that's what this thing is about it's about the plan of God throughout the pages of the scripture and God wants you to be a part that's the story of the bible and it's a way that you can communicate the gospel to somebody who's not ever heard or you might go well that you know I've got somebody and they kind of know and understand what the Bible is about they've heard they've been to Sunday school well, maybe you want to use the Romans road the Romans road is a is a way to share the gospel where you stay in the book of Romans in fact you might want to underline some of these verses in Romans so that you can move from one to the next and even maybe right beside one hey here's where I go to next so that you'll know the next one to go to so you can take them through the pages of scripture and explain the gospel to them. And when you do that through the Romans road, you explain that everyone is a sinner. Sinners deserve death and condemnation. God loves sinners and sinners receive God's free gift only by faith. And when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you can be saved and forgiven and brought into the family of God right there in the book of Romans. That's Romans road's a good way to go about it. Maybe you come across somebody who knows a lot about Scripture but has never trusted Jesus, and you can use Project 316. We've done that around here where we say, hey, you know John 316, don't you? Oh, yeah, I think I know that. Well, well, let's say it together. And you say, and you start it, for God so loved, and they'll start saying it, and they might not know all the words, but you know them all. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You're like, yeah, there it was right there. Came right out of me in the King James. Why? Because that's the way I memorized it. And so we say it. And you go, well, you know what God does? God shows the picture of the gospel right there. And it's broken down in 25 words. Here's what it looks like. It says, God loved. And you you crisscross that. God loved. He loved you. He loves me. You know that. And he says, yeah, I know that. And and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God loved. God gave. 
What did God give? He gave his only begotten son. You know who that is, don't you? Yeah, that's Jesus. And God gave Jesus for your sin, to, to save you from your sin and to, to give you new life. He gave his son and he paid for your sin and they buried him and he rose from the dead to secure that justification. He's made salvation possible. God loved, God gave that whosoever believes in him. God tells us right there that we can't earn this, we can't buy it, we can't get it any other way but through belief. What do we, God loved, God gave we believe, like we trust in the person of Jesus. We believe that he is who he said he is. He did what he said he did and that he wants to save and he's capable of doing. We, we believe, and then when he says, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We live. So right there, John three sixteen says, God loved, God gave, we believe, we live. And right there, Project 316, you're able to share the gospel with someone who knows a little bit more. Maybe you're talking to a kid and you're able to, you're, not, you're trying to get it right or, or, or somebody just like, man, they really, they really need a visual aid. And there's something called Evangicube and it shows you I'm separated from God. God's on one side, I'm on the other. But Jesus made the opportunity for us to be reunited with God by his death on the cross. And not only did he die for me, they buried him. But on the third day, the scripture tells us that he rose from the dead. Jesus Christ came to life, securing your justification and mine. And now Jesus is the bridge by which we walk from death to life. If we'll just trust him by faith. This thing's called the Evangicube. You can get it at e3resources.com. Or maybe the wordless book, you've seen it. It's green, doesn't have any words in it, but it talks about how sin is, has, has darkened us and has le left us in death and darkness. But, but God in his love and grace and mercy gave Jesus who bled and died on the cross for your sin, for my sin. They buried him. They, they put him in the grave, graveyard dead. But on the third day, what did he do? He got up alive. And when he gets up alive, he's made it possible for our old dirty, dark hearts to become clean and pure and forgiven. If by faith you'll trust Jesus, and you'll receive him and just accept what he's done for you. And when we do, we've given the precious promises that we'll live eternally with him in a place called heaven. And I don't know what heaven looks like, but I hear there's a lot of gold there, or at least it's shiny. And that's what this page means. And the cover's green because it reminds us of, of like a fresh, nice, sodded lawn. And, and it's there in order to be lush and growing. And that's what God wants to do in our life, in the lives of those who know Jesus as their savior. He wants us to be growing in him. And so that we might become everything that God wants us to be in this life as we're waiting for the next. Or maybe you'd like to have something like this. Would you like to know God personally that you can keep in your pocket or in your Bible so that when you have the chance and I go, Felix, I'd like to share something with you if I could. And, sure, Kevin, sure, go ahead. Well, do you mind if I just kind of follow along? It's like a little help. I, I, I like to make sure I get everything right. So, so here's what this little booklet says. And number one, it says, God loved you and created you to know him personally. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. And it gives me scriptures right here to share that defend that point. But, but, but here's what it says. It says people are sinful though. People are sinful and separated from God and we can't know him personally or experience his love because of sin. It gives all kinds of scripture, all kinds of little illustrations that I can show Felix as I'm walking through him. He goes, but let's don't stop there. That'd be bad news if that's where we stop. Right here, number three, it says, but Jesus is God's only provision for man's sin. And through him alone, we can know God personally and experience his love and plan. And it tells us, right here and we can walk through the scriptures and I can show him this little illustration about how the cross is the bridge between me and my sin to God and his forgiveness and then oh don't, don't forget number four we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord then we can know God personally and experience his love and plan for us and we go through the scriptures and then we're looking at him going would you like to trust Jesus as your Savior do you recognize you're a sinner in need of forgiveness and when Felix says you know what I do 
then I'm able to walk them through right here. Well, well here's, here's how, here's kind of how I asked God to save me. And this is kind of what I said and how I responded. And you're able to walk them through just this little yellow booklet right here. Now, here's what I know you're doing right now. You're going too much too soon. <laughs> how am I ever going to remember any of this? I'm going to tell you how. When we dismiss today, Stephen and Greg and uh, Austin and Dustin are going to come up here and I'm going to give them all of this information. They're going to be standing at that back door and everybody who goes out the door is going to get one of these that you can put in your pocket, that you can study at home, that you can be ready and prepared to share. And then I got this little document right here that's going to tell you about the story of the Bible. It's going to tell you the Romans Road, going to give you all the scriptures, going to remind you of Project 316, going to tell you how to get your very own Cube, And it doesn't have to be that big. They make them in little small Rubik's Cube sizes just for you. And I'm also going to show you how you can get the wordless book and how to use it for your very own. Look. You have a responsibility to share the gospel. I can't share the gospel with your one, but I can get you prepared to share. And if after going through any of this, you go, I still have questions. Anytime, day or night, you holler at me. And if I don't have the answer, I know some folks who do. You can be prepared to share the gospel with your one. Now, when we share the gospel, let's make sure that we share what the gospel does. Here's when it's received. When I've trusted Jesus, would you like to trust Jesus? as your? I sure would, Kevin. I, I would love to know that I'm forgiven. I'm made right before God. I want to know Jesus as my Savior. And I lead them to confess with their mouth Jesus crucified and risen for them. And they believe in their heart. Then here's what I'm going to begin sharing with them. Some things that the gospel does. And here are a few. The gospel makes us alive where we've been dead. The, go- the gospel sets us free from the shackles of sin and death. The gospel makes us new. We are not who we were. We are a new creation. The old is gone. We were talking yesterday about the guy he used to be. And I'm telling you what, when Christ forgives, that old man is done. It's a new man. He makes us new. He brings forgiveness. He brings cleansing. The gospel, when it's received, establishes our redemption and our justification. God declares us righteous. We are no longer in need of anything to do with our sin because we are declared righteous. The gospel, when it is received, it seals us, secures us through the Holy Spirit. It initiates and equips and empowers and entrusts and activates us to represent Jesus immediately we are his children and immediately we are his representatives if you've got you version you're following along in the live events all of the scriptures to back those up are there if you don't have it I'll make you a copy before you leave today make sure you tell them what the gospel does in their life so that they can begin moving forward and by all means bring them to church with you so that they might walk with the rest of us who are just living this out, what the gospel does. But please, do not tell them that the gospel is going to give them the license to live whatever way they want to because they got their heaven ticket punched, so now you can go living on the way you want to. Do not tell them that because that is not what the gospel does. Do not tell them that when they come to know Jesus that he's going to fix all their circumstances and all of their life problems because God is not guaranteeing that he's going to do that. He's promising to walk with us 
through those things and allow those things to bring him glory. Don't you dare tell them that God's going to fix all their problems because that is not truth. Don't you dare tell them that receiving Jesus as their Savior is going to guarantee that all of their goals and dreams are going to be fulfilled because that's a lie. That ain't going to happen. Here's what God's going to do. He's going to start changing their dreams. He's going to start adjusting their goals to be more aligned with his goals. And those you can guarantee are going to come to pass. Don't you dare tell them that everything they got planned and all they've ever imagined is going to come in fulfillment. And do not, do not, do not tell them that receiving Jesus as their Savior is going to guarantee their health, their wealth, or their happiness. Do not tell them that God is guaranteeing to make them healthy because he does not. He promises eternal life. But in this life, sin still has dominion. And sin still has an effect. You can know Jesus as your Savior and be in rotten health and glorify his name to the end because you know when you die, that is not your end. You are going to get up just as sure as Jesus did. Don't you think that God's going to make you wealthy? He might keep you poor so that he can show everybody how he'll provide for you when you can't provide a cent for yourself. Don't you tell them they're going to be wealthy because God never made that promise. And happiness... Come on, how many of you even came here happy? You smiled like you were, but you've been fighting all morning because you know that happiness comes and goes. Joy, joy, now that's grounded in something real. Be prepared to share. You know what the gospel ain't. Don't you present the not gospel. We know what the gospel is. We know what the gospel does. And let's please to goodness don't tell them what the gospel don't do. But you can share. You can share. I'm not ready, Pastor Kevin. I'm just not. I'm scared to death. So was I. So am I every time I share the gospel one-on-one. But you can share it. We'll give you the tools. We'll give you the support. We'll give you the encouragement. You got to step into your responsibility. And I promise you, based on everything I know about the scripture, you pick your one or, or you let God pick your one and you start praying for them and asking God to open up an opportunity, he's going to give it to you. I mean, he's, you, you may, don't turn a blind eye because he might show you that opportunity. You go, yeah, but they didn't come to my door. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't stop by my desk at 343. And God, you know, that's what I said. If they'd show up at 343, I'd tell, no, no. God will make the opportunity and then he'll use you as the representative of Jesus to share the good news. And and, and I'm excited to think that some of those that hear the gospel are going to receive him. And before too long, some of y'all are going to start coming in and wanting to say, you're never going to believe what happened. Really? What happened? I've been praying for my one and I shared the gospel with my one and they trusted Jesus to say, I'm not going to believe that. I think that's exactly what God says his plan is. We're going to get excited when folks start trusting Jesus because of faithfulness. Won't that be exciting to rejoice and to thank? Man, maybe God will use me. He will. Just got to step into it. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you go, if I'm going to be real honest, I think I'm a follower of moralistic therapeutic deism because you're telling all those things that those beliefs, I kind of think that's what I believed all this time. God's out there and You know, he really just wants me to be happy and he's there for me if I need him and if I'm good enough, I'll get to heaven. And I'm trying to be a nice person because I want to go to heaven. But you're saying that's not the gospel and that's not Christianity. I'm saying that's absolutely not the gospel. You say, yeah, that's what I've been believing all this time. And in his gracious mercy and love has brought you here today to hear one more time 
that it's about Jesus crucified in your place for your sin, raised victorious from the dead, received, trusted by faith alone. With the heart, Romans 10 tells us, with the heart man believes. And with the mouth we confess, God, I know I'm a sinner. I I know I'll never be good enough. And I know Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's alive. And I trust your son as payment for my sin. And I trust his life for my own. Maybe you're here today and you go, I knew all along and I've never trusted. And you'd like to say, Pastor Kevin, I trust Jesus today. I've known about him a long time, but I trust him today. As my Savior for the very first time, I get it. I get it. I understand. I want want everybody to know today I'm a follower of Jesus. Anybody courageous enough? Maybe you go, I'd like to know more about that. Well, we're here, and we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to show you from God's Word just how you can know that you're in a family. Let's stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Just you and God right where you're at. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Like if you were to die right now, are you 100% confident that you would stand face to face with the risen Savior? You can be. Don't think Jesus was trying to give us something to hope real hard that's what it is. No. He bore our sin so that we might be forgiven. We might know him. If you've never trusted him, it's as simple as, God, I know I need a Savior. I ask you to save me today because of Jesus, because of his work. That's what you provided, and I want to receive that gift today. It's free. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me new. If that's you, I hope you won't leave before you share so we can begin a walk, a journey together. Now, Father, we ask that as we leave from here today, that we will take pieces of paper that are going to be handed to us that can be easily lost or have bubble gum put in them or written on as a note and left and, and, and can become as forgotten as it was unknown before I even mentioned them. God, I pray that, uh, that you will impress on all of your children the responsibility that we have to share the gospel with those who have not heard. Prepare us. Make us ready to share and then give us the courage to step in it. Even if we have to have our our cheat sheet and our tools and everything there with us, God, help us to realize that's okay. It's about truth shared with care, with completeness, and with accuracy. So prepare us and then give us the courage to share. Father, I pray for those that are hurting because of many different reasons. Family issues, financial worries, health problems, things that they've not even told anybody else and they're wrestling with it all by themselves. Children that have wandered from the faith. God, uh, marriages that may be beginning to break. God, I pray that you'll speak peace into our heart. Make us confident that you love us. That you have a plan for us if we will just simply embrace it. Embrace you. Allow you to lead and direct our life. I pray we'll be a body where folks can know that it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay just to get satisfied with being not okay. 
I pray that these folks here will recognize this, this is a place I can be. I can be real. The folks are going to spur me on, and, and I'm going to do the same for them as we seek to glorify you and fulfill the responsibilities you've given us as we wait on your son. We know he's coming back. We know it could be soon. We ask that you'll make us busy, make us urgent, eager, unashamed, be a representative of truth in every arena of our life. We love you. We trust you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And all the ways the church said, amen.